The scripture reading this morning comes from Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in his former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. May God bless the reading of His Word. You know, Haggai was a prophet of the Lord, which means that he was chosen by God to deliver a message to the people. And we looked at his first message last week. This book basically has four messages from God to His people uh, in Jerusalem in Haggai's day in the, uh, the 6th century B.C., BC. We looked at the first message last week, and the people of God were allowed to return to Jerusalem uh, under King Cyrus of Persia. And the people returned and they began to resettle and rebuild the temple of God. However, they began to experience some opposition. And so the rebuilding of the temple came to a halt. And so Haggai's first message was to tell the people that God wants them to resume the rebuilding effort and complete the temple. And unlike many of the Old Testament prophets, uh, the people actually listened to Haggai and actually did what he wanted them to do. And they turned their attention back to the rebuilding of the temple and resumed their effort. And so this morning we're going to look at the second message of Haggai to the people. And we read in verse 1, it says, In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. And so the second message of Haggai If you notice the date of the first one in in chapter 1, verse 1, and then this date, just over a month has passed since the first message. Okay, so the first message came to motivate them, and now the second message has come just over a month later. Because as the the people began uh, rebuilding the temple, they resumed their work, they were excited about it, and they put their hands to it, and they began to rebuild they experienced a few breaks in their work. For example, on the first day of the seventh month, the people of God celebrated the Feast of Trumpets. So, it's a feast they would celebrate, and so that took up some time. And then on the tenth day of that month, of the seventh month, they celebrated the Day of Atonement. That kind of interrupted progress. And then on the fifteenth day of the month, they celebrated the Feast of Booths, which during the Feast of Booths, they built leafy shelters... And they lived in them for a week to remember the wilderness wilderness wanderings when they were taken out of Egypt. 
And so all this was kind of contributing to, you know, interrupting the work of rebuilding the temple. It would be like if someone came to you Thanksgiving week and said, okay, I got this major project I want you to complete. And you were thinking, okay, it's Thanksgiving week. Um, we have Thanksgiving, I have all these family gatherings, you know, then we have Christmas, New Year's. And so you have a lot of interruptions of the work. And so maybe that's why the people became uh, a bit derailed from their mo- momentum, you know, of, of rebuilding the temple perhaps. But I do think when you look at the passage, though, there are probably two other major problems that threaten to derail the work of rebuilding the temple. And we're going to see two problems that Haggai highlights. And then we're going to see two promises that God gives to uh, encourage the people to continue the rebuilding effort. So the first problem that was threatening to derail them was past success was past success. Look at verse 3. He says, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? You know, Haggai is, is acknowledging that, you know, this new temple that you all are building is not going to be the same as the old temple. It's going to be different. You know, this, this new work is not going to be the same as the old. Because, you know, the old temple that was built by King Solomon, uh, you know, King Solomon had unlimited resources and labor. And this temple was magnificent that he, that he built. Uh, it was much more elaborate than what they were going to be able to pull off uh, in, in Haggai's day. And so there was the older generation among the people in Jerusalem, and they could remember Solomon's temple, or at the very least, their parents would have remembered and told them stories about it. So it's very fresh in their mind what Solomon's temple was like before it was destroyed. And so they had that idea of Solomon's temple, what a temple should look like in their mind. And so as they saw this new work being undertaken and the new temple being built, uh, they saw this new work as a disappointment because it just wasn't what it once was. Listen to what Ezra says about this in Ezra 3, verses 8 through 13. He says, And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments came forward with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord, according to the directions of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and for His steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. Though many shouted for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted with a great shout, and the sound was heard far away. So there was this group that remembered the former glory of Solomon's temple, the magnificence of the temple. And when they saw this new work being uh, undertaken, with this new temple being built, they just wept. Because they they knew it was not going to be like it was. And so they mourned this new work. And yet at the same time, others shouted for joy. Others were thrilled this was happening. And the temple was being built. 
But some were very discouraged and grieving because they realized that this new work would not look like the old work, which caused them to be sad and actually threatened the continuation of the new work. And I think about this and I'm thinking, you know, we have a lot in common with the people in Haggai's day because the memory of the past, how God has worked in the past, can actually dampen, have a dampening effect on our zeal to pursue the new work that God is calling us to do. You know, these these past memories of God's work in our lives can be very precious, but it's interesting that they can actually have a dampening effect as well. For example, some of you you have been following Jesus for a long time. And even in this church or other churches in the city or around the country, uh, you can remember a day when you know, this church was full of people, multiple services. Hundreds of people in Sunday school. You know, people meeting in every little room in this building, which is saying something, if you've ever been around this building, because there are a lot of rooms. Uh, you know, you, you sang songs in a certain way. The children and the youth gathered and did things a certain way. You know, there were activities that no longer exist. And those can be very precious memories of how God was at work. But they can also hinder you from moving forward with God. And I think this was happening in Haggai's day. A mindset can develop that doesn't believe that God can work today like He did in days gone by. That those were the good old days. And it can actually hinder our forward progress with God and believe that God is at work today. And that yes, it's going to look different, but yet God is the same God as He was then. And He's doing a work today. Will it be different? Yes, it will be different. You know, will we miss some things from the past? Yes. And for the people in Haggai's day, you know, yesterday's temple was gone. And God was asking them to build a new one, a different one. And today's church is similar in that the church is not built on yesterday's obedience. You know, the church is not built on yesterday's activity or yesterday's evangelism or yesterday's giving or yesterday's membership numbers or yesterday's preachers and teachers and classes and buildings and programs and yesterday's invitations. Those were good while they lasted for yesterday, but today's a new day. And now what does God want us to do today? God is calling us to build something today, something new today. Now, it's not a temple. We don't have to build a temple, but He is calling us to build His church. You know, He's calling us into new gospel conversations. He's calling us into new expressions of service. He's calling us into new commitment to His mission and new steps of faith. So let's, mem- let's have good memories of the past and how God has worked, but let us not allow them to hinder us from moving forward in faith in the mission God is calling us to do. Now, I will say this, though. Isn't it easy to get discouraged? I mean, you look back and and God worked in a certain way and you think, man, I wish it was like that now. And it's it's different. It's just, it's not the same, but yet God is still working, but it's different. It's easy to get discouraged when you're not seeing the same things happen as you once did. And God knows that about us, that we get discouraged in the building process. And that's why He gives us promises to help spur us along and continue the work. And look at the promise he gave the people in Haggai's day. Look at verses 6 through 9. 
He says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the the dry land. And I will shake all nations, so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Now listen to verse 9. The latter glory of this house, the latter glory of this house, shall be greater than the former. Which just had to strike these people as astonishing. God is saying, what I'm going to do in the future is greater than what I did in the past. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. So God promises the people that the glory of this new temple and the trajectory that it is on and what will be accomplished through it will be greater than the glory of Solomon's temple. But the greatness of this new work will come in his timing and through his provision. And I'm thinking, wouldn't this motivate you? I mean, you may have been discouraged. I mean, you're putting up, you know, the temple. It's not what it was. Doesn't look as nice. But then God says, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do great things through it. Greater things even than I did in the past. I mean, wouldn't that motivate you? I mean, I think that would at least give you a little encouragement and say, hey, let's keep going. God is at work. He is faithful. He's going to do something great through us. But it's going to come through His timing and His provision. There was, a, there was a preacher in Scotland who turned in his resignation at the end of the year. And when the elders asked him why, he said, because we haven't had any conversions this year except for little Bobby Moffat. And what that discouraged preacher, though, couldn't see was that you know, little Bobby Moffat would become Robert Moffat, the great missionary to Africa, who probably did as much, if not more, than David Livingstone in opening Africa to Christian missions. And so that year, the pre- that year which the preacher considered a failure, was probably the greatest year of his ministry. But all of us need to see things in light of God's plan and not our plan. We need to trust God to do greater things than we could ever ask or imagine or think. God promised that the latter glory of the temple would be greater than the former glory. So what does God promise the church? That's what He promised the people of Haggai's day, that He's going to use this temple in the trajectory of His work in a greater way. So what about the church, though? We're not building temples anymore. Uh, What about us? Well, I read in the book of Revelation, Revelation 7, 9, and 10. This is what I read. It says, "After After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And when you read the book of Revelation, you realize that God promises to use His church to reach every tribe and every people group of the world. I mean, this is the greater glory of the church. The the latter days of the church will be greater than the former. The latter days of the church 
the latter days of your life will be greater than the former. Because look what God's doing. The book of Revelation. I mean, all peoples around the world, there will be people from every tribe, tongue, and nation gathered around the throne with all of those who call on the name of Christ as Savior. So the latter glory of the church will be greater than the former. This was the motivation for them to persevere. And the people in Haggai's day had a choice to make. You know, would they shrink back from rebuilding the temple because it was going to look different? Or would they resume rebuilding because God was calling them to rebuild? Would they continue to weep over the fact that it's just not what it was? Or would they begin to shout for joy because God's at work? And I love Haggai's question in verse 3. He says, well, how do you see it now? How do you see it now? How do you see the work of God now? How do you see what God's wanting to do now? And I'm wondering, how about you? When you think about what God's doing in the world, what's, what God's doing here in Augusta, what's got, what God's doing in the Hill Baptist Church, I mean, how do you see it now? How do you see the Hill Baptist Church now? Is it different? It is. Are we doing everything that we have done in the past? No, we don't. We don't do some things anymore the way we once did them. But, are we serving the same God? Do we, do we believe the same Word of God? Yes, we do. Do we preach and believe the same Gospel? Yes. I mean, and should we be just as excited about making disciples of all nations as they were back then? Absolutely. So, you know, someone once said this. He said, don't waste your time looking back. You're not going that way. You know, the past is rich. I mean, it can, it can actually propel us forward, but it also can paralyze us from moving forward. And this is what was happening with Haggai's day. Because it looked different, they were becoming derailed. They were becoming hesitant. And God's telling us to move forward, even though it may look different. Apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians 3, 13 and 14. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, let, let's not allow the success of the past to keep us from moving forward into new territory with God. Let's not coast on past faithfulness. Your God wants us to do a new work today. There are new people around us. He wants, to have new conver- he wants us to have new conversations. Show new expressions of love. Right? Preach the gospel in new surroundings to new folks that are here now in Augusta that once were not here. God is calling us to action. He's calling us to build His church by telling people about Christ and how they can follow Him. So that was the first problem and promise that God gave them. The second problem that keeps us from moving, moving forward in faith and doing what God is calling us to do is fear. Look with me at verses 4 and 5. He says, Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. 
So yeah, it's possible that our past could derail us in our forward progress, but one of the biggest threats is fear. And we've all experienced this, I'm sure, in our lives. And there's two, there's two types of fear that tend to derail our progress with God and keep us from taking steps of faith. One is fear of people. And the other is fear of failure. Fear of people and fear of failure. And you know, the reason that God sent Haggai to speak to the people to begin with was because they had already given into the fear of people. Which is which had caused them to stop rebuilding the temple. You know, the neighboring people around them, they were not in favor of them rebuilding the temple. And so they stopped. They stopped because of the opposition and the friction. They stopped doing what God had called them to do. And God sent Haggai to tell the people to not fear. Don't fear the people. Don't fear failure. Yes, it's going to look different, but don't fear failure. That's not failure. You just do what I'm calling you to do and work. And why should they not fear? What does God tell them? Because He will be with them. You don't need to fear because God is with you. Why should you be strong? Why should they be strong? Because they are doing what God is calling them to do. And God will provide what they need in order to do what He's calling them to do. You maybe have heard this phrase, you know, if God brings you to it, He will see you through it. You know, the idea that if God is calling you to do something, He's going to empower you and enable you to do it. God was calling them to rebuild the temple and He was going to empower them to accomplish the task by His Spirit. Look again at... Um, Verses 4 and 5, he says, Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. So God promised two things. He promised His presence, and He promised His power to accomplish the work that He was calling them to do. Now, what about us? You know, God's not calling us to build a temple. Okay? What is He calling us to do? And what does He promise us? Because we still experience fear, don't we? We, Fear of people, fear of failure. So what does God promise us? Well, listen to what Jesus tells His disciples, His followers in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power to do what? That's key, isn't it? You will receive power, but power to do what? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. See, God gives every person who places his or her faith in Jesus the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job is to empower us to be and accomplish what God wants us to be and accomplish. In Haggai's day, the people would come to the temple to experience the presence of God. And that's why it was so important for them to build the temple. This is where people would go to experience the presence of God. But now, God has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. So we no longer seek God by going into a building, but rather God has sought us by becoming one of us. You know, the Son of God took on flesh and dwelt among us, it says in John chapter 1. And Jesus lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. He was raised from the dead in a a powerful display of God's victory over sin and death. And it's through the death and resurrection of Jesus that all those who turn from their sin and turn to Him by faith will be saved. And it's, it's through Christ 
that we receive forgiveness. We receive new life. We receive the presence and power of God through the Holy Spirit. And we receive a mission. He gives us a mission that He's empowering us to do. In Haggai's day, the people came to the temple to know God. And today, we are the temple of God. And God is calling not people to come to the temple, but rather the temples to go to the people. That's what He's calling us to do. We are to go to the people. The people who have God dwelling within them in the power of the Spirit that have been empowered now to actually go to the people of the city and help them come to know Christ. That's our mission. Jesus said it this way, go and make disciples. That's what it means. We want to go and help people become growing followers of Jesus. And so the question is, will we allow the past to keep us from moving forward and embracing what God wants us to do today? Will we allow the fear of people or the fear of failure? I may mess up. I may not do it right. Will we allow that fear to keep us from helping people know Jesus better? Or you know, will we be strong? Will we be strong knowing God is with us and that He will give us what we need in order to do what He's calling us to do? You know, I believe that God wants every one of you to move forward in your faith with Him. I believe He wants us all to move forward in faith with Him. And I believe that God wants every one of you to be involved in His mission, without exception. Every one of us, I believe He wants involved with His mission. I believe that God has gifted every single one of us in varying ways, various ways. He's gifted us with talents, abilities, Knowledge, wisdom, resources. Every one of us He's gifted this way. With these various gifts and abilities and resources. And the question is, how, how can we use what God has given us to accomplish His mission? How can we use what God has given us to help people become growing followers of Jesus? Because that's the mission. I mean, that's what God's calling us to do. And that's why we're here. So yes, we're doing all the other things... That, in life, just like the, the people in Haggai's day were doing. I mean, they, were, they had spouses and children and jobs and had to worry about the groceries and shelter and all those things, those things in everyday life. But, but the overarching mission was rebuild the temple. And for us, the overarching mission is make disciples. And so we need to think about how is God wanting to use what He's given me and blessed me with to make disciples of all nations. Some of you know exactly what your next step needs to be. Others of you need to think about it a little bit more. You pray about it and ask the Lord. You God, what 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 would you have me to do? Is there anything that I'm not doing that I could be doing in your power to accomplish your mission? And still others of you may say, you know, Ron, I have no idea how I can be involved in the mission of God. And what I would say to you is, you know, come and talk to me or talk to your Sunday school teacher. Uh, and we'd be more than happy to, to talk you through that, work through that together with you and figure out, okay, how can you be mission-minded? How can you uh, be on mission with God and leverage what God has given you for His glory as you seek to accomplish the mission He's given you? But I do know this, that God wants us all involved in His mission. He, he wants us all to know that He's, he's with us, and that He will empower us to accomplish what He has called us to do. And the question simply for us is, what's our next step? God, what would you have me to do? 
Let us pray. Father, that is our our question, and we say it sincerely, God. We want to know, how can we be more involved in your mission? Lord, we know our acceptance comes from Jesus. Our power comes from your Spirit. Our mission comes from you. Lord, help us to move into this new work. Lord, thank you for what you've done in the past. Many of us are sitting in this room. Many of us have a relationship with you because of what you've done in the past. And we are so thankful for that. And now as we face this new day and the new days ahead, may we look forward to having new conversations, new opportunities to serve you. And Lord, we thank thank you for your promise that the latter days will be greater than the former. We thank you for your promise that you tell us you're with us and that you empower us to accomplish your work. Now show us, Lord, by your Spirit, show us what our next step needs to be, even today, that we may be more in tune with your mission and how you want to use our lives in the accomplishment of that mission. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.